Hello, and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? I am doing pretty good. I, uh, I'm pretty excited. Uh, you showed me some Marvel pop figures uh, earlier this week, and I ordered one, which was Captain America wielding Mjolnir, and it finally came in today. Nice, nice. We're going to have to probably revisit the question of the week, where what's your coolest MCU... I don't want to say swag, but merchandising, maybe? Yeah. Merchandise. It's, it's funny, it, right? Because, like, I remember when I first proposed that question to you, like, I was like, I don't know how to phrase this that, that doesn't sell, like, sound like over-promoting. And swag was the first thing I came up to, but I think we ended up just settling on calling right, it merch. Right. I think, you're right. I think it was merch. <laughs> I think it was merch. Swag seems so weird to say. Swag makes me feel like I need to get a t-shirt cannon and start, <laughs> know, like, shooting it out into a crowd. Well, it's funny. I had, I participated... Uh, earlier this week in this um, symposium, but it was virtual. And because it was mm-hmm. virtual, the, the typical swag they'd give out wasn't available. Um, and that even uh-huh. got brought up, uh, not uh-huh. by people attending, by the by the actual, you know, people presenting, saying, yeah, we're sorry, uh, we don't have stuff to give you, you know. So... <laughs> bring, bring back the way people used to give away, like, free screensavers. Yeah. Just give those yeah, out instead. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Now, just real quick, speaking of free stuff, uh, your feedback can be free. Uh, We get your feedback through getting um, reviews and ratings, and that really helps us out. And it's no cost to y'all, the listener. So if you give uh, give us that feedback, it would be really helpful for us in putting together a really good show for y'all. Yeah, any any feedback would be greatly appreciated. And uh, I think you phrased it best. It's free to kind of leave reviews on your podcasting platform. So yeah. Today, uh, this episode, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Now that we're kind of in this post-season one daredevil territory, we're going to be trying out some new style episodes where we have topic-based discussions. And this week, we're going to be talking about the theater experience with a specific lens regarding the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. So I think given everything that's going on with COVID and the state of the world that we're living in now, we can't have this discussion without the first question being, when will you feel comfortable returning to the theaters? That's tough. Yeah. That's really tough. It's one of those things where, like, I get these emails from Cinemark or AMC, and mm-hmm. they they had these things going on in July where, I think it was Back to the Future, Raiders of the Lost Ark, all these, like, classic movies that I'd love to see again in the theater. I'd uh, love to have my kids see in the theater. Mm-hmm. For like five dollars for adults, three bucks for kids. Does I'm sounding like a commercial for them? Uh, but I, we never went. You know, you know, because right. it was this element of like, is it is it okay? Can I go? You know, is it? There was also this weird thing in the back of my mind of like, you know, I'm kind of counting on other people not to go, so it's safe for me to go. And if and, mm-hmm. and is that bad to think in terms of that? <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> It's, it's a, yeah, so it's it's really weird to to think about it in those terms. Um, and I don't know, I'm not 100% on sure where you're at on this, but I can be kind of a theater snob. Oh, I am most definitely a okay. theater snob. Okay, yeah. See, I have my preference of theater, um, and so does a, a, like a good friend of mine. is like, let's go see a movie. And he's like, okay, but I'm buying the tickets. <laughs> he was like, just to ensure he gets to pick. Um, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, so like I'm a completely a theater snob. And so... I don't like to go just to any theater. And when you say, so your friend could pick, is he talking about 
picking seats specifically or picking the theater specifically? Both. Both? Because I, you know where I, I live. It's a very small town. We just got assigned seating like four years ago. Yeah. And it has been a night and day difference on my, oh, yeah. on my overall mental health of not having to worry about getting there early enough to get the seat that I want. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So when I saw Doctor Strange, I saw it with a group from work. And mm-hmm. I was the first one at the theater. And I was starting to have kind of an anxiety panic attack because the group hadn't shown up yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm one that I got to get there. I got to have my seat and, and all of that stuff beforehand. Um, and we actually didn't have reserved seats at this at this mm-hmm. viewing. And, and it was opening week, opening two weeks, somewhere in that range, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the mm-hmm. theater wasn't doing reserve. That theater wasn't doing reserved seats. And they showed up and one of them in the group kind of looked at me. He's like, man, I can't believe this guy here was so worried and just, we got to leave and got to leave. And just so worried about, you know, having to be here or there. And I looked at him and was like, honestly, I almost went in without y'all. Like, like I, <laughs> I, I, I was, I was about to panic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I completely feel that I am totally the person that will show up to the theater, like 45 to 30 minutes early just to make sure that like I am ready and and not having to like walk across people trying to get to my seat or whatsoever. Yeah. So I I 100% feel that. Yeah. And I'm lucky cuz I go to the movies with my dad a lot and he's of the same mindset. So like I never have to worry about, <laughs> about the waiting for a group to show up. So when it when the time comes you're going to have to come up here and see a movie with us. Um mm-hmm. the theater I end up going to is it's closest to my house. Uh, and I'm talking like if I really wanted to I can leave 10 minutes before showtime and not be afraid to miss anything. Um, oh, like, it's awesome. really close to the house. Now I don't do that um, because I'm me and it's also one that serves food. So it's like, if you want to mm-hmm. have that food order before you don't want to be pulling that, right. If you're right. You know, trying to order food is, is the stuff playing, uh, but it also has its own brewery on site. Mm, that sounds so awesome. The beer there is really good. Um, we end up going like a lot of times Saturday and they have a Saturday morning. So they have a brunch menu. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, I, I you're you bringing up how they have like brewery and like and like, uh, you know, food that you can order that kind of like segues perfectly into to where I was at with the when would I feel comfortable returning to the theater question. I, I think there was a point where I was starting to get somewhat comfortable with the idea if theaters were like taking precautions with, you know, wiping down and, and sanitizing, um, enforcing masks. And I I even heard in Austin, there's this theater called the Alamo Draft House where they were enforcing like a two to three person gap in between each seat right. so that you weren't sitting next to people. And so I was starting to kind of grow comfortable with that idea. But as we've learned more about like COVID and everything that it, the way that it, it transmits from person to person, you know, the number one thing they're saying is that being indoors is, you know, a lot worse than being outside due to the lack of airflow. And then on top of that, even if they were somehow to enforce people to start wearing masks in the theaters, you know, so much of the movie theater experience is tied with eating popcorn or drinking your soda, right. or like you said, ordering food and people would take the masks off to do that. Right. So it's not to mention we've seen how much pushback the general population has had on masks in general. I don't even think they could enforce it. So I don't know, man, it, it's going to be a really long time. I think before I start to feel comfortable going back to watch, you know, from what I understand, Alamo draft house 
which I've only ever been to, I think, twice. Mm-hmm. I saw Spider-Man Homecoming Thursday night before it was release, released. Mm-hmm. And that was an Al- at an Alamo Draft House, and I was warned they kick people out for talking in cell phone and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I think I saw another one at Alamo Draft House. I'm not sure. And I don't know if that reputation, if they actually do that. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine what I've seen in theaters as far as like their cell phone policy and not kicking people out and enforcing that, that it would be really hard for them to start enforcing the masks. Yeah. You know. 100%. And and I'm assuming that like you're, they're going to have to not sell the concession stand stuff. I mean, I, I haven't mm-hmm. been you know, recently and I haven't looked it up and honestly, I'm not sure. Let's say if I did go, I don't know if I would buy food this time around and concession stand stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I, I feel I, like I do want to just get in, get to my seat and, you know, be done. <laughs> just sit there and try and make sure nobody sits next to you. Which I mean, really that, I don't know if I want to watch a movie under those conditions. Right. You know, because I, I, I mentioned I, I, I go to the movies a lot with my dad and even more so like with the Marvel movies, I take my mom and dad to see him because it's just something that we have bonded over together. And I was talking to him about like, what would it take to get him back to the theater? And he specifically mentioned, he's like, I don't know if I could watch a movie without having my popcorn and Coke with it. Right. And so it's like there is an element of it being diminished a little bit, which sounds silly, but it, it is part of the overall experience. No, it is. It is part of the overall experience. Well, growing up going well i'm you know in my 40s and if it's me and my dad at the theater we still uh-huh. will split a popcorn and a coke mm-hmm. like like from when i was when i was, it was just me and him when i was in elementary school to now that's just kind of our tradition you know it's yeah. just a father-son thing for us that we do you know and so the idea that i wouldn't have that like that yeah it's just part of the part of the experience and even at that, again, when I was talking to my dad, I was proposing to him the idea of how some theaters would enforce the like two to three seat gap in between people. And he was like, I don't know. You know, I it would feel like I wasn't watching the movie with you. And I felt bad because like, I don't know, I, I wouldn't mind for Black Widow. I could just look over and you excited <laughs> from two seats over. <laughs> and he kind of he he cursed me out a little bit. But <laughs> But yeah, it would, it would it would be too different, I think. Well, you know what? I, I would say I'm used to going to movies and MCU movies by myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like when I was when I was at the Art Institute, um, I go to movies by myself. Uh, when I was at University of North Texas, when I was there, I went to movie, a lot of movies by myself, you know. Um, and even now with the MCU, it's like... Well, I I go see Spider-Man Far From Home and I see it with you by myself or with a friend and then make the decision of, oh, I can bring my kids. So usually, like, I yeah. get the benefit. I see a lot of these movies twice within opening weekend, you know, with this mm-hmm. excuse of his go kid prove it, you know, kid proof it. I mean, mm-hmm. so I'm used to that. Uh Dude, I totally saw Endgame twice in one day. I, I went with the early morning feature with my parents, and then I turned right around like after an hour break and went to an evening oh, <laughs> experience yeah. solo. Yeah. So, so, so that's not an uncommon experience for me. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think the idea of being, I think the reason why, you know, would 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 definitely have an impact. You know, I mean, the closest thing that I can imagine 
would be when I saw The Dark Knight Rises. It was after the shooting in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And so watching that movie, when the scene came up, that the shooting took place during that scene, that was something I thought about. It was in the back of my mind. And I admit that kind of t- took me out of the movie experience. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like being at the theater, having the spacing and, and all of that we, would would impact how I watch a movie. Yeah. Specifically for our purposes with the movie lens, yeah, it's going to be a long time before we shake the new muscle memory we have developed with COVID. And I think that'll be implied to a lot of the things we do moving in a hopefully post-COVID world. Yeah. So let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. One of the things we wanted to talk about was this large versus small experience. Which one do you prefer? Because it feels like if you prefer a smaller crowd, you know, mm-hmm. when you, when you see these movies, then it might not be that big of a deal having these circumstances versus if you prefer mm-hmm. a large crowd. Right. Um. It you know it's it's weird. In any circumstance i would prefer like a smaller crowd for movies but some of my most memorable experiences in the mcu movies has come from a large crowd and i think a lot of it has to do well to 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 specify i think a large crowd on opening night or weekend okay because i think the kind of person that is drawn to having to be their first thing they're all there collectively for that experience and everybody shares in those moments. Like we've kind of talked about it before. When Vision lifts the hammer in Age of Ultron, yeah. you could feel the gasp yeah. of everybody in that theater. And it was just like, I will never forget that unless I'm asking question of the week, what's the most memorable <laughs> moment. <laughs> but I, and, and whenever I think about movie experiences, that's one of the first scenes that I think of. Or even in Endgame, the very first time I watched it, when it gets to the scene at the end with the portals and everybody's coming back, whenever T'Challa is like walking from the portal and he's kind of like a silhouette at first and then it reveals who it is, there was a kid, a very young kid, probably like eight or nine in the back who just stands up and screams, he's alive. And it just like, I started tearing up because I think that kid represents what brought all of us to it is how real it felt. And so even though normally I prefer small crowds, I don't think I could trade that sort of experience for, for anything else. Yeah, I agree. There's part of me that I like the small crowds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but those memorable moments are, are really good, really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the vision. You mentioned the portals, uh, the dusting at, you know, Infinity oh War. Um, man, you know. Like just sitting in your seat along with everybody else from the snap to end credits yeah. where everybody is just kind of like, that just happened. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's so good. Well, I remember seeing um, Iron Man 3 opening weekend and you knew what was going to happen. It was in the trailers and the promotional. It was the skydiving scene off of Air Force One. And, mm-hmm. you know, so, so like you knew that was about to happen. But when the way they shot it, the way they edited it actually felt like they weren't going to pull, you know, Iron Man wasn't going to pull it off. And the eruption of clapping, you know, when, mm-hmm. when it when it worked was great. Um, yeah. The first Avengers, seeing the helicarrier for the first time rising up out of the water was just 
a magnificent, you know, experience. I got goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and I felt like I, I was with, you know, a group of people that was just kind of in awe of it. So, yeah, I, I think for the big event movies, I'd have to go with the larger crowds. Mm-hmm. Which, to me, in that way, to kind of tie into what we were talking about, I don't know if... God, I want to see Black Widow with people, but man, not having them sit next to me. You know? Yeah. Um, well, Spider-Verse. You know, is another one where Spider Verse mm-hmm. was fantastic in that I got to see it a Saturday morning, that one theater brunch, my wife and kids and I. And then for my 40th birthday, my wife and my dad rented out a theater. You know, and it wasn't the large theater. It was at, a, you know, it was at a Cinemark, but it wasn't the large theater. It was one of those smaller side theaters. Mm-hmm. And Spider Verse was still in town. In fact, you were still in the theaters and you were in town, but you ended up not making it. Mm-hmm. But like to see it again with that group of close friends, you know, so it was almost a full theater, but all my friends and family, you know, yeah. I say all it's, uh, hyperbole, I guess. But it's it was such a great experience to see it that way, you know. Man, I'd at least want them sitting next to me. Yeah. It, there's, there, even though because you and I had talked about it, you know, movie snobs, movie theater snobs, like, even though we want, like, you know, the people around us being quiet and being respectful when it comes to things like cell phones and stuff like that, there's still this, how do I want to phrase this? Like, there, there's this energy of, of having a large crowd there all sucked into the same scene that is just, you can't replicate that, right. I think, on video on demand right. or or anything else. Yeah. I mean... Not to sell ourselves short, I think the next best thing you could get is coming to a podcast like this and celebrating with oh, us. Yeah, yeah. But- <laughs> well, you know what? I, and I, I think so. I mean, there's something to, I mean, even watching some of these old movies and I get that experience seeing it again at home and we've mentioned it, um, re-watching Endgame and getting those feelings and those and those chills, you know, or watching and re-watching an old movie um, from my childhood with my kids, you know, something like mm-hmm. that. And you get a really neat experience out of it. But when you're with a large group, like you said, for the same reason on an opening night, um, there's a connection with you and everybody else that's just, you know, if you've never experienced it, you know, and you're a sports fan, it's like when your favorite sports team scores and everybody around you all of a sudden are best friends and high-fiving, you know, mm-hmm. and, it, and, it, and it's like that, but with the movie. Yeah, most definitely. So I, I I think that brings us to our final question uh, regarding this theater experience, because we've kind of touched on it a little bit. You know, we talked about how we do enjoy that large crowd experience at the theaters, but would you be okay watching new Marvel movies on demand? I don't know. I, I've gone back and forth on that. Um mm-hmm. Well, okay, so we started this podcast. Initial idea when you approached me was to to talk about the Disney Plus shows. Yeah. And, and not even the movies, just the Disney Plus shows. And then we decided, okay, let's do the movies as well. Mm-hmm. And we were going to, as we've said a number of times, begin with that. And then with COVID, it's like, let's pivot. Just go ahead and start anyways. We'll do Daredevil. And so it's tough because part of me, I'm like, if Falcon and the Winter Soldier is what Anthony Mackie says it is, it's a 
six-hour movie broken up into chunks, then I, I don't know. In, in some way, I feel like I'd have to say yes to watching a mm-hmm. movie on demand because that's what that's going to be. Um, but that's kind of a logic answer. And for some reason, it just doesn't quite feel right to say, yes, I'm okay doing it. Mm-hmm. I think we're starting to see like this paradigm shift, especially with a lot more original content being created for these streaming services like Disney Plus. Because I, I can only speak for me, but I remember, and I think I even texted you about this when you when it was first announced that Disney Plus was getting its its original Marvel Cinematic Universe shows. My first reaction was that I was very apprehensive, almost coming from this perspective of like. I was off put by how they were calling uh, Scarlet Witch or Falcon and the Winter Soldier like secondary characters. And it right. made it feel like it was this less than. Right. And so I think there's this muscle that is reflexive whenever I start to think about watching new uh, Marvel movies on demand as it's a less than experience. But I think COVID has kind of accelerated that idea where it it, it doesn't make it any less of a premiere because it's on a demand service. Right. If that makes sense. No, no, no. It makes sense. And so I, you know, my, we, we've touched on this before. I think for me, my selfish answer is trying to fight through that muscle and say, yes, I would be okay. But at the same time, it's such a bummer that correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this was going to be the second woman led solo movie in the MCU. And no, no, Captain Marvel. Oh, Captain Marvel. Yeah. Do you want to re-edit? No, we can leave my stupidity in. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in my but, in my head, I, for some reason, Wonder Woman popped up, and I'm like, no, she's not MCU. Right? But yeah. No, Captain Marvel. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Leave... You know, whenever I was writing my notes, that was the first thing that I thought too. I was like, oh, Wonder. Oh, wait, that's not MCU. Yeah. Which is so funny because I love my dad. But it always, like, I started getting slowly annoyed that every superhero trailer that would come out, he would always ask me, he's like, oh, is that part of Marvel? And I'd be like, nope, that's DC or that's not Marvel in cin- Cinematic Universe. Well, and, literally, and I was making the same mistake. Yeah, I was going to say, literally two nights ago, I was having to explain to my youngest, I was watching a documentary and it was talking about Captain Marvel, like Shazam Captain uh-huh. Marvel, but way mm-hmm. back in the, in the 40s and 30s, right? And she was like, wait a minute, I thought, that's not Captain Marvel. And so I was trying to explain to her a little bit, like why that was, you know, the name change and stuff. So it's like, I have no idea why I blinked on that. Ah, it happens. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, like getting back to that point, you know, Black Widow was going to be the second woman led MCU movie. And I don't, I don't want it to come out to video on demand for fear that the wrong lessons would be learned from that, where I don't think so because Marvel has had shown that moving forward, they are trying to be more diverse in their characters that are leading the MCU. But I don't want that to deter from branching out into those. If, if that, right. it makes sense. Well, I'm not, man, I don't know if I'm as worried about that happening when you look at mm-hmm. the, the lineup of shows and movies are putting out. Um, mm-hmm. And even when you dig into some of the, the background of going back to like Age of Ultron and who 
Kevin Feige had to report to, you mm-hmm. know, um, same in, well, Age of Ultron, Iron Man 3, um, in, in the issues they, they had in perceptions of female characters, female merchandising, you know, and now that it's basically the buck stops with Kevin Feige, I, I right. think you're seeing those, those changes being made, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially when you consider at that time. Um, then again, it sounds like I'm trying to, to like give them a pass, you, you know, but, but, right. but it's like when you consider at that time that they had years worth of movies, those phases leading up to the infinity war and in game laid out, you know, it, it would be, it would have been very difficult for them to all of a sudden pivot and put in, um, another story element, uh, mm-hmm. movie wise. Whereas when you look at phase four and everything that's being put together, um, and potential plans beyond that, I, I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if that would hurt it in terms of them doing mm-hmm. that. Right. You know, now I, I'd like to see it in theaters because I, I would love to have what we just talked about that, that large, crowd experience you know mm-hmm. there's an element from as you say there's an element of me where i really don't go to the theater unless it's a big event movie as well mm-hmm. there's something about i mean let's be honest like when you know i remember standing in line in 1989 for batman with michael keaton and tim burton's batman and mm-hmm. standing in line for a couple of hours Right. And seeing that in a crowded theater and seeing it with my stepdad and neighbors across the street. And it was fantastic. My TV at home was like a 20 inch TV. You know, Mm -hmm. my MacBook is 16 inches is almost the size of that. My TV (laughs) that I had at home, whereas like the size of TVs now are huge at home, you know, or or not for everybody. I get that. But but a lot of a lot of people at home have these big screen widescreen format TV. When I say it was a 20 inch old tube square tube big hunk of a TV, you know, if I'm not mistaken, I think I inherited that TV from you. No, 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 no. Because that TV died in 2008 Uh, in April. And the reason why mm -hmm. I know, and I'm forgetting the exact day is it died the morning and this is when the NFL draft was still on the weekend. It died like an hour, hour and a half before round one started the NFL draft. And I was, oh, and I had to go. And and that's what got me my first flat screen, you know, big TV, um, which, yeah. So, so that, that's, that's the only reason why I remember it was, see, God, that was, I mean, to give you an idea, 1989 to there, like I had that TV while, um, but mm-hmm. But yeah, so I, there's something about being able to sit on my own couch on a big screen TV at home for a lot of people, being able to pause it and stuff. But I can see mm-hmm. that that is really appealing to people, you know. Yeah. Well, especially, I mean, some of this coming out about like the deal, it was it AMC and Universal made about movies can now go on demand 17 days, three weeks, basically after um release whereas mm-hmm. now you have to wait three months um yeah let's be honest three i mean you know somebody who waited what a month two months to go see Endgame just to have a smaller crowd yeah three weeks mm-hmm. is nothing 
Yeah, I could do three weeks. Yeah, I, I really could. I, I don't want to, but I really could. Yeah. I'm thinking... And, you know, selfishly thinking on that, again, preference would be the the movie experience, but you and I have already had these discussions about how we would handle new Marvel movies in, in terms of this podcast and having it on demand where we could pause on our own. Like, we could dive through those a lot easier, even if it is like one of those situations where, hey, you got 48 hours to watch this. We could watch it multiple times and take better notes than we could if it was in the theater. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. I... Waiting those three weeks would be wouldn't be that hard. No, it wouldn't. It, it, it really that being wouldn't. said, and you know, there's an element of like just to throw that in there that spoiler culture. You know uh -huh. what? What does that do to? You, you know, I mean, there's there's different things of like, oh, you know, don't want to give up any spoilers. Or if I see it open weekend, what's the appropriate amount of time to wait to talk about it? Those types of things. Um, I, I think that would have kind of an impact on coming to demand quickly, um, having a lot more people waiting for it to be at home. Um, mm -hmm. you know, especially talking in the context of our podcast, I don't know, like there's, there's an element in this, in, in this, I say this industry of trying to be as topical as possible. Um, mm -hmm. but also I think for us and what we like to do and kind of having a few episodes buffer and recording, you know, I think it's known mm -hmm. now that we, it's, we always say as of this recording, um, I think that would give us a little bit of leeway, you know, uh, some group of like, well, I mean, you don't have to have as quick of a turnaround necessarily on some things. Yeah. That being said, I feel like I know this answer because, again, we've created a podcast for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Would you be okay, which I think the standard has become a $20 premium just to rent it for 48 hours? Would you do that for Black Widow? I would. I would mm -hmm. for an MCU movie. I'm not sure about any yeah. others. Yeah. I, because I talked about it before. I, I did the, what was it, the Vin Diesel bloodshot. Yeah. And I, I paid the $20, but I got to keep it forever. Yeah. And I know I was going to, I was totally going to go see the Trolls movie uh, when it was, when theaters were still open because uh, some of my favorite podcasters managed to get into it, but that's a different story. Mm -hmm. So I was just going to go see it because at the worst, it'd be, you know, just a, a silly time. But whenever I found out that it was going to be a $20 premium just for 48 hours, like that completely deterred my decision to see it anyway. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely movie dependent, but I, I would totally be okay with a Marvel movie. For I it. would. I would. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, when I can, when, when I think about what it would cost for me to go to my theater of preference, get popcorn and a drink, buy a beer, if it's at an Alamo Draft House style place. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, paying $20 for that 48 hours, I'm going to do that anyways, going to a theater. Yeah. yeah, like I said, I've already, I go multiple times. I think I saw Avengers Infinity War five times in the theater, and I don't want to do the math on that, yeah. but I come out ahead with 20. Yeah, I saw that, God, Infinity War at least three or four in the theater. Wow, nice. So yeah. Yeah. Do you, it, this is totally not in our notes but i you just made me curious which movie which marvel movie do you think you saw the most times in theaters oh in theaters it's a tie mm -hmm. between and i'm just guessing off the top of my head uh it's a tie between avengers and um homecoming wow how many times did you see homecoming uh one two 
at least probably four. Nice. Probably four. Yeah, I, I'm for me. I believe it's a tie between the original Avengers and Infinity War. I think I saw both of those five times in yeah. theaters, and I saw I saw Civil War twice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I think from what what's ever, we always have this discussion. Whatever came after uh, Guardians of the Galaxy one, from then on, I think it was two viewings each for those movies that I would I went to the theater at least twice for them. But yeah. Well, let me do let me do this. Uh-huh. I'm going to go ahead and transition to our question of the week. Okay. And because the question of the week is when did the MCU become must see in the theaters? Like if we're already mm-hmm. going to talk about how many times we've seen an MCU movie in the theater, when did it become must see watching for you? So, I have two answers because as I mentioned, I I've I take my parents to see these movies because it's something that's become a tradition for us. Uh, For me, it definitely became a must-see after Captain America Winter Soldier. Like, I I had seen... I've seen every Marvel movie in the theater, but that was more of a a product of me just going to the theaters a lot just because it's what I like to do. But from Captain America Winter Soldier on, it was like we've talked about all plans became making sure I saw it opening weekend. It wasn't just like on a whim thing. Um, and then for my, my parents, um, after, right after Guardians of the Galaxy, that's where it started becoming a, a, a you know, taking them to go see it as well. Cause I, I don't think I've told the story on podcast before, but when the way I got my mom into the, th- I feel sort of bad about this, but it worked out in the end. The way I got my mom into the MCU was if I'm not mistaken, I believe Thor, the original Thor came out around Mother's Day or on Mother's Day. And I kind of, I was like, oh yeah, you're going to love this movie because I really wanted to go see it. So I kind of tricked her into going on Mother's Day. But in the back of my mind, I was like, I don't know if she's going to like this. <laughs> and so, you know, we went and enjoyed the movie and I walked out of that theater and it ended up being her favorite hero of the MCU. So there's that kind of special connection, but it wasn't until Guardians of the Galaxy that I started being like, okay, you're going to want to see this because I know you're going to want to see the next Avengers movie and you need to have these prerequisites. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, so how about you? See the, when it became must see Avengers age of Ultron. Mm -hmm. Cause that, when I, when I'm looking through the list from there on, I've seen them all in theaters. Before yeah. then, I had not. That that was, mm-hmm. and also I think for some reason around that time is when it really kind of was sinking in what they were building towards in mm-hmm. in in terms of uh, you know and, and at least and I don't know in the public pop culture wise if that was the case or was just my consciousness of it of really seeing mm-hmm. the interconnectedness and how well one movie was leading into the next. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that was when it became. Uh, must see for me well and you figure after ant-man was civil war like you know right around there is where everything became you can't see one without seeing the other Mm -hmm. so but you know like i'm looking at phase two and iron man 3 thor dark world captain america winter soldier guardians of galaxy age of ultron and ant-man i only saw three of those six in the theater wow so yeah. Kind of playing with that that line of reasoning about how 
the interconnectivity of them seem to really gel in phase two. I think, honestly, that's why Captain America Winter Soldier became the must-see from there on, because there was one throwaway line that really made it felt, to me at least, the, for the first time in a post-original Avengers world, mm-hmm. that these this was a realized world, was when uh, Fury is speaking... Just lost the, the the name. Uh, who's the, who's the villain in Winter Soldier? I'm embarrassed that I'm forgetting uh, the name. So yeah, Pierce. Whenever Pierce and Fury are having like their discussion at the beginning of the movie, Fury gets him to agree to something, and Pierce is like, "Okay, I'll do it." But Iron Man has to show up at my kid's birthday party, and there was something about that line that just made it feel like it was a realized world, and made me more invested and in looking into what was coming down the pike rather than what was just then out now. Well, not only that, like in my head at this time, I think they were still doing those one shots. Um, mm-hmm. No, I think one shots might have only been in phase one. Um, but in my head, I was like, man, that would have been a really cool one shot, you know, to, to see Tony Stark in the Iron Man suit, like show up at this kid's party. You know what? It, and they could have totally done that low budget. Oh, easily. Because. Yeah, this was after Iron Man 3. So you could have it where Iron Man shows up, but he's being very standoffish and not talking, and then it's revealed it's one of his remote control oh, yeah, suits. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know what? And yeah, that would have worked really well, but you also have that that scene in Homecoming, kind of the kind of like they did that there. Um but yeah, that would have been really fun. No, I'm just I also imagining like him like blowing up these helium balloons with his gear or something. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So so yeah. Oh, that'd be great. But yeah, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Um, Yeah, if you guys would like to chime in about some of your most memorable theater going experiences or even questions such as uh, when you would feel comfortable going back to the theaters or if you'd like to answer the question of the week of when did the Marvel movies become a must-see, you can always reach us at Know on Twitter or Instagram or if you'd like to write an email, know at gmail.com. And again, if you would take the time to leave a rating, um, and review that would really help out us uh, getting that feedback and helping others find the podcast so we can broaden the community and have bigger conversations. We'd also like to give a special shout out to Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song. Uh, it is his rendition of the Avengers theme and you can find more of his work over at his SoundCloud which is linked in the description. All right everybody uh, thank you so much for doing this Jude. Thank you Trey. Until next time, we'll see you all next week. When Fury and Pierce are discussing uh, business and Pierce is like, okay, well, I'll do this, but Iron Man has to show up my, at my kid's birthday party. Right. That was right. where it was like, oh, this is that. I don't know. There was something about that line that just made me want to start diving in deeper and learning more about what was coming down the pike instead of what was just out. Right. That was professional. I just dropped my phone. Well, you do you need to see we say that line? <laughs> uh yeah. Okay, I'll look for that later. <laughs> God dang it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it wouldn't be MCU teen to know without a Nintag, so it's okay. <laughs> right? I I did it for us really, because we haven't had one no. yet. <laughs> All right. Um